When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast. Each week I focus on topics related to mental health and discuss ways to help you deal with issues like anxiety, depression, shame, guilt, PTSD and more. I've spent the last 30 years researching the mind-brain connection and mental health. I worked with patients who suffered from traumatic brain injuries struggled with anxiety, battled with learning issues, and often worked with families to resolve major relationship and communication problems. In this podcast, you will hear the advice I gave to my patients and the techniques I developed and used to help them find healing. My goal is to give you simple, effective, and practical tips and tools to help you take back control over your mental, emotional, and physical health. Before I begin today's discussion, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has supported this podcast, either by leaving a review, spreading the word, sharing episodes with friends and family, and posting about this podcast on social media. I love reading your reviews and learning how I can make this podcast even more helpful. Now back to today's podcast. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about panic attacks, the best strategies for dealing with a panic attack and how to prevent panic attacks in the future. Let's first of all look at what is a panic attack. A panic attack is a sudden episode. It's intense. It's very often like an overwhelming fear. It, um, it immobilizes thinking and it very often can cause you to freeze up. Panic attacks may trigger severe physical reactions in your body, even when there's no real danger or apparent cause for those physical feelings. And they can be very frightening. When a panic attack occurs, you actually might think you're losing control, having a heart attack or even dying. The signs and symptoms of a panic attack develop very sharply and abruptly out of the blue and they normally reach their peak within 10 minutes. They rarely last more than an hour and most end within 20 to 30 minutes. Panic attacks can happen anywhere and at any time. You may have one while shopping or walking down the street or driving in your car or even sitting on the couch at home watching TV. They usually occur when you are least prepared to deal with them. And that is why I'm doing this podcast, to help you to build up the mental reserve, the cognitive reserve to be able to deal with a panic attack if you have any. They're pretty common. Most people will experience a few panic attacks in their lifetime. Some people more than others. Many people have just one or two panic attacks in their lifetime. Problem goes away, perhaps when the stressful situation ends. But if you've experienced recurrent unexpected panic attacks and have spent long periods in constant, in constant fear of another panic attack, which is called anticipatory panic attacks, it is important to try and find the root causes of the panic attacks. Nothing happens without some sort of reason or trigger. 
A panic attack is different to an anxiety attack. An anxiety attack, on the other hand, makes people feel fearful and apprehensive, which may result in their heart racing or a feeling of being short of breath. But they're not as sharp, not as abrupt, and they're usually short-lived. And when the stressor goes away, the anxiety attack normally dissipates. So it's kind of more obvious where they're coming from and when they go. A panic attack is different to that. It just comes out of the blue, lasts longer, and you aren't always aware of what the cause is or even the trigger. So panic attacks don't just come in reaction to a stressor. They're often very unprovoked and unpredictable, and this is why they're so frightening. Furthermore, a single panic attack may only last a few minutes. The effects of the experience can leave a very long-lasting imprint, which is why we are going to look more at what to do when you are experiencing a panic attack and then what to do to rewire and avert and or manage them in the future. This will help prevent you feeling anxious and tense as you anticipate the next potential attack. You see, the fear of fear in itself can be extremely disabling. So understanding how to manage a panic attack in the moment and how to prevent a panic attack can help you to get out of that fear of fear, which is so disabling. You may have even been trying to avoid certain situations or environments because you've associated them with a panic attack that you've maybe had there. This avoidance may be based on the belief that this place caused the panic attack, or you may avoid places where escape would be difficult or help would be unavailable if you had a panic attack. Taken to its extreme, phobic avoidance, which is avoiding places or situations where you feel like you can't control the situation, can become agoraphobia, which is the fear of literally fear of moving out into the environment, literally staying stuck in your home. Just as a side note, panic attacks can also be caused by medical conditions and other physical causes. If you are suffering from symptoms of panic, it's important to see a doctor to just rule out various medical possibilities. I'm going to just read you a list of five from the Mayo Clinic, and these are obviously not all of them, but it is always worth the medical investigation. Something that can cause a panic attack, the five medical reasons that could cause panic attacks are mitral valve prolapse, which is a minor cardiac or heart problem that occurs when one of the heart's valves doesn't close correctly. That can lead to a panic attack. Hyperthyroidism, which is an overactive thyroid gland. Hypoglycemia, which is low blood sugar. Stimulant use like amphetamines, cocaine, caffeine, and medication withdrawal. Those five can cause panic attacks as well. Okay, so what are the symptoms of a panic attack? You get this sense of impending doom or danger. It just kind of comes over you. It's almost like a black cloud. Then there's this fear of loss, of control, even of death. Rapid pounding heart rate where your heart feels like it's jumping out your chest. Sweating, just suddenly you just start sweating. Trembling, shaking or both. Then that shortness of breath where you feel like you want to start hyperventilating or a tightness in your throat where it feels like your throat's being constricted. Chills can happen or you can have the opposite. You could have a hot flash where your face just gets red, your body gets red and you get this intense wave of heat through your body. Nausea, abdominal cramping, chest pain, which is often why people feel that they're having a heart attack. Headache can be very severe and sudden sharp penetrating headaches. You can have dizziness, lightheadedness or faintness, even a numbness or a tingling sensation in your body and very often a feeling of unreality or detachment as though you're kind of floating or not there or it's not real like you're not in this thing but you are in this thing generally a panic attack will occur when you are faced with something you cannot avoid or you have and or you have unresolved issues 
Okay, so let's talk about how to deal with a panic attack in the moment. What do you do as you feel that panic attack starting? These are simple exercises. If you're prone to panic attacks, and listen, it's not uncommon, can happen to any of us. Doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Try and memorize these that I'm telling you now so that you've got them wired into your brain. So when you go, if you have a panic attack, you can immediately draw on these five steps that I'm going to give you. The first thing that you need to do is work on your breathing. The reason that I'm saying work on your breathing, and it's kind of the most logical thing. Most people will tell you, slow down, breathe, breathe with me. It's a very instinctive reaction to control your breathing. Well, controlling your breathing reduces cortisol levels in the brain and the body. Cortisol is good for you, but when cortisol flows in very high doses through your brain and your body, it starts kind of damaging your neurons and they're damaging the flow of energy through your brain. So your thinking gets affected. And that's why a panic attack, you don't know what's you almost don't know what's going on. You don't have much wisdom within the midst of a panic attack. So it blocks your ability to think things through. So when you breathe, you reduce the cortisol and that helps you to decompress. So hyperventilating, which is very often what happens, will make it worse because the hyperventilating reduces oxygen to the brain and increases cortisol. And those two things will make you feel worse. So that's why the very first thing to do is to really practice the breathing. Slow breathing calms you down and it reduces your cortisol levels, gets more oxygen into the brain, controls your adrenaline and puts your hyperpituitary thalamic axis, which is your HPA axis, which is the stress reaction in your body, it makes it work for you instead of against you. So you control your, your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system, which work with your HPA. Now, I know you're not going to remember all of that in the midst of the attack. What you, what you want to remember is that when you breathe, all this good chemical and oxygen stuff is going to happen and it'll help calm you down and help you to decompress. There's multiple different techniques, but from the research I've done, one of the best and most simple techniques is to breathe in deeply for three to four seconds, hold for three to four seconds, and then breathe out for three to four seconds. As you calm down, then you can add a second breathing exercises on, exercise on, and that is you hold one side of your nose closed and you breathe in through one side and then out through the other. And then you swap, breathe in through that, that with one side and then breathe out through the other. The breathing is going, this breathing, you just do it three or four times until you feel that you're starting to decompress. As you start decompressing after this breathing, you then move into the second thing, and that's to recognize that you're having a panic attack, not a heart attack. Tell yourself it's temporary and it's going to pass. Take away the fear that you are dying and remind yourself that your body is resilient enough to handle this. Our bodies are very, very strong and very resilient. When you give yourself this little self-talk, you activate genetic switches in the brain that will help increase your resilience and help you to keep the adrenaline cortisol levels at the levels that you want them at, where they work for you and not against you. So what you're trying to do here is use your mind to control your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous systems that need to be in a balance. They go out of balance when you're having a panic attack. Third thing is close your eyes. Some panic attacks come from triggers that just overwhelm you. Something you've seen, whatever. When you close your eyes, you cocoon yourself. If you're in a fast-paced environment with a lot of stimuli, this can feed your panic attack. It can make it worse. So closing your eyes reduces the stimuli and it helps you to get control. This can block out any extra stimuli and help you, help you focus on your breathing. 
The fourth thing that really helps well is open your eyes once you feel a little calmer and now focus on an object. Find a single object to focus all your attention on during a panic attack. Pick one object that's in clear sight and consciously and deliberately note everything about it that you possibly can. Describe the patterns, the color, the shapes, the size of the object to yourself. So you're focusing all your energy on this object and then that helps you control the panic attack symptoms. So you may be in your car and you've pulled over to the side and you may just stare at the steering wheel and notice everything about that. So it's a very kind of detached, objective, calming exercise that helps to bring you back into the moment. And then the fifth thing is take action. Go for a walk, listen to music, do something mechanical, a neutral action which will help you reduce the stress and the high alert mode that you've been operating in for however long it's been going on for. Because you will need a bit of time to let your neurochemistry and the signals of your body and brain get back into balance. And movement can help with that or music, or go for a swim, maybe do some exercise, something that's physical, something that's mechanical. And that helps to, to get good, a good level of oxygen back into your brain, stabilizes your blood chemistry, and starts bringing you clarity. So those five steps are worth memorizing to do in the moment. Breathe, recognize you're having a panic attack, close your eyes to control the stimuli. Now open your eyes and focus on an object and describe it. Take an action, something neutral to restore your neurochemistry. Memorize those, practice them when you're in a calm state so that you set up an automatic network in your brain that you can draw on when you're in a panic attack. This episode is brought to you by Juve, an at-home red light therapy device. Red light therapy is a powerful, non-invasive treatment which delivers natural wavelengths of light to your skin and cells. Numerous studies have shown red light therapy can be an effective modality that we can use to help heal and improve our mental, cognitive and physical health. It's one of the best things I recommend for optimal health and an integral part of my self-care routine. Head over to juve.com slash Dr. Leaf. That's J. O-O-V-V forward slash D-R-L-E-A-F. And if you use the code Dr. Leaf at checkout, you'll get a nice bonus gift with your purchase. I want to take a moment to tell you about a product I am so excited about, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic makes healthy and organic coffees, elixirs, blends, and so much more that are not only delicious, but also very nutritious and great for brain health. And the coffee is made from 100% organic Arabica beans. All of you listening today, you can get 15% off your entire order with the code Dr. Leaf, spelled D-R-L-E-A-F or go to foursigmatic.com slash Dr. Leaf. Now we're going to talk about how to prevent panic attacks in the future. You're going to do a post-mortem on your panic attack. You need to do this within 24 to 48 hours of having the panic attack. Otherwise, you're going to lose some of the details and you won't get the full benefit. Nor will you manage to find, potentially find the cause and the trigger and so on. You're also going to be a little calmer 24 hours later, which is important to be able to think clearly. It's also important you do this post-mortem in a safe space with no, no pressure. Step number one is put the experience, the ugliness of the pain of the panic attack into a box. 
Visualize this. Visualizing and using your imagination is extremely powerful in changing your brain in a way that works for you and not against you. Visualization changes the structure of your brain. So when you imagine that box and you imagine putting that panic attack in the box, you're actually building a network in your brain that is doing that. And that changes your chemicals, it changes your resilience. So that helps you to start seeing things in a clearer way. You see, you can't fix anything if you're immersed in it. So if you just keep this jumbled panic attack and the fear that's associated with it, if you just keep it this big mess inside your brain, that's literally what you have inside of your brain. By putting the experience in a box, by imagining that you're taking that experience and you're unraveling that toxic, dark, messed up visual structural thing in your brain, you are actually building a new structure in your brain that's got more order in it. You're getting order out of chaos. When you separate yourself from the intense emotions, you bring order out of chaos. And it's a very important first step. And using this power of visualization that we have to put this in a box starts helping to unravel the chaos in your brain that a panic attack can cause. Then the second step is become a bystander. Stand, see yourself once again using the power of your visual imagination, which is really changing the structure of your brain changing the wiring become a bystander stand back outside and look into the box as though you were someone else it wasn't it wasn't happening to you you were looking as though you're looking at someone else's experience and now describe the facts key here is in order for you to see the facts in order for you to see the emotions in order for you to see the information and in order for you to separate the facts and information from the emotions you have to see this as though it's happening to someone else and that's what it means to objectify the situation as though it's not happening to you it's happening to someone else by putting it in the box you've already separated yourself from the from this so now you stand back and you look at this as though you're a bystander describing someone else's experience so caroline went through this and she went through that and she felt this and this happened and these are the facts and those are the feelings that she and so on third thing is still in this bystander, not you mode, as though you're describing someone else, is start asking, answering, and discussing to find the cause and the trigger in a very factual, very logical, very almost distance kind of way, almost clinical. So why did that happen? Maybe that happened because of this. These are the facts. It happened in this situation. It happened then. It's happened repeatedly when maybe there's a familiar sound or a smell or a, a phrase or a noise or a time of the day. And so you start exploring, asking why questions, answering, discussing, objectively as though you are discussing someone else's problem and you are outside the box, the the information is in the box. You're asking, answering and discussing to find the cause and the trigger because when you find the cause and the trigger, then you can prevent this happening in the future. So you can recognize when you're in certain situations, the big thing about a panic attack is that you that they happen out the blue. So you have to prepare for, for a panic attack. You have to find through this, this very intense post-mortem, you find the cause and the trigger so that when you're in a situation, you can recognize it and you can stop it happening in the future or you can control it quicker and more effectively. So finding the cause and the trigger gives you the information and the power to control what's happening in the future because you'll recognize the unpredictable is becoming the predictable. 
Then the fourth thing is, before you forget this, write it down to make sense of it, to give logic to it, to remember it, to keep it and write it down somewhere, if it's in your phone, if it's in a journal, somewhere that you can don't lose that information. And as you're writing that down, not only are you building your memory of that information, but you're also getting a cognitive fluency, which means that the act of writing down helps add more order to the chaos in the brain. It helps get what we call cognitive fluency. You start getting a flow of ideas. You start seeing more information. As you write, you will get more insight. And as you have more insight, you have more power in your prevention because you're going to be able to recognize the causes and the triggers. So you'll recognize the situations and it'll help you know what to do. So as you're writing, this is going to help you identify the patterns of triggers and causes. And once you've found the patterns of triggers and causes, now have a plan of action. So if you know that you're in a certain environment and something happens, what is your plan of action? As you write down that plan of action and you memorize that, when those triggers occur, you'll immediately jump into your plan of action. So your writing must have two phases to it. You must write down the triggers and the causes, and that must lead into a plan of action. When you're ready, try, this is step number five, when you feel ready, talk about this. Take your little journal and talk about it. Tell someone, I had this panic attack. I actually did this whole exercise. I found that this is the cause and these are the triggers. And you know, I wrote this plan of action down. And as you're talking it through, you will find you'll get more insight and you'll find another cause potentially and more triggers and improve your plan of action and get other people's perspective. So you enrich the whole knowledge experience and you've added extra information. You've built a stronger memory in your brain. You've actually changed the structure of your brain. Another aspect to the talking is the whole community support thing. So if someone, if you've spoken about this to someone and they recognize when you're in a panic attack, they can help you through it. They know that your triggers, they know your causes, they know your little plan of action. So they immediately can step in there and help you with that. So the talking activates this very deep need that we have as humans, which is community support, helping each other. So you're not alone. It, change, it changes the dynamics of this. It takes the fear out of it. It's that fear that can cause those very, very, very strong physical reactions inside of our body that make you feel like that intense fear that make you feel those feelings almost like you're having a heart attack. Finally, step number six is remember to practice, practice, practice. So if you've written this down, look at this a few times so that you remember this information. If you only do this once or twice, it's not going to, if you only look at, write this down and never look at it again, there's a good chance you may forget this information. Memory builds over time. So you need to make sure that over the next three weeks, you spend time, just even if you pick up that journal and just read what you've written or just think about it, but at least pay attention to it as frequently as you can over the next three weeks. It takes 21 days to build a long-term memory. So your little plan of action triggers, your cause, all these things will become very familiar. So when you're in a similar situation with similar triggers, because no situation is ever the same, but there'll be similarities. When the similarities occur and the triggers occur, you have a plan of action that will automatically play out because you've wired that into your brain and built an accessible memory. The practicing element makes the memory that you built, the plan of action, which is a memory, the triggers, the cause, the plan of actions, plan of action is a memory and it's a memory that's become accessible. A memory that you don't practice using isn't accessible and it won't help you. You So in the time of need, you're not going to remember what to do. So to remember what to do, you have to practice this for at least three weeks, somehow looking at it, reading it, going through it in some way. A great tool to help you in this whole plan of action, identifying triggers and causes, practicing over three weeks is my 
app called Switch. You'll find the details in the sh- in the show notes. It's a great way for you to be able to go through, analyze, and practice, and use build this into a long term memory. Just three more tips before wrapping up. Don't talk about my panic attacks because claiming them as your identity becomes literally a self-fulfilling prophecy and a new normal. Don't make them my panic attacks. Just see them as a reaction. Also, don't panic about getting panic attacks. That creates an anticipatory network in your brain. And if you practice panicking about panic attacks, that's what you'll do because that's what you've practiced. Whatever you practice is what you're going to do. That's why I say practice your prevention strategy as opposed to practicing panicking about panicking. So a better mindset is not to panic about getting panic attacks, not to fear them, but to say, no matter what happens, I'm ready. I have my prevention strategy. I have my plan of action in place. I'm prepared. Bring it on. Okay, so another thing that can happen is panic attacks at night. You know, when you drift off to sleep and then just suddenly out of the blue, you have this panic attack and you're like eyes wide open and your heart's beating fast. Very often this comes because you haven't spent enough time during the day dealing with your thoughts, taking time to have thinker moments where you rest your brain, where you just spend time daydreaming, or when you just make sure that when you go to bed at night that you've actually sorted out your thoughts during the day, sorted out the things that have been going on in your life during the day. Accepting the fact that you're not going to be able to resolve everything before you go to sleep, but at least itemizing them in your mind and maybe even writing them down in a thoughts journal and saying, okay, this I've got to deal with, that I've got to deal with, I haven't finished this, I'm halfway here. Just getting that kind of order before you go to bed in your thought life can really prevent panic attacks during the course of the night. If you're prone to panic attacks during the night, another thing you can try is sleeping more propped up. This sends signals to your brain that you're actually in control. You're not as vulnerable. You're ready for action. Your neurochemistry changes. You breathe differently. It's not going to affect your sleeping. You still will sleep very well. This, the propping up is not going to affect your quality of sleep. In fact, it will, it will probably improve your quality of sleep because you're prepared for action. And that gives you a sense of being in control. Remember, one of the big things about panic attacks is that sense of not being in control. That sense of being completely and utterly vulnerable. And sitting up can help to prevent that. So in summary, if you don't deal with the reason for the panic attack, if you don't spend the time going through these strategies of how how to manage the panic attack in the moment, how to prevent panic attacks in the future and practice that, then you're going to continue in the same negative feedback loop, having the panic attack. And each time, if you don't deal with it, the mess gets bigger and bigger in your brain. Just think of a bunch of knotted wires or getting more and more jumbled. And that's what's happening. It's just this huge big jumble and you just can't disconnect the wires and find where one starts and one ends. Whereas if you go through these strategies, you're sorting out this chaos. Panic attacks that aren't managed can become quite pervasive and affect a lot more areas of your life. They can become regular patterns. Remind yourself that you will make it through and things can get better if you intentionally and deliberately and consciously fix the roots, causes and triggers of the panic attacks and get your plans of action into place and memorized. Put these safeguards in place. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. 
Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leith.